Welcome back, listeners, to the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. It's your boy, DY here, and I'll be your host for this evening. As always, I'm joined by three other individuals that are extremely jacked, in no particular order, apart from uh, what's on my Zoom screen. We've got Jack Radford-Smith, Lawrence Greaves, and Daniel Chappelle. Uh, they'll be your co-hosts for this evening. So, how you boys been? Very good. Everyone ready? Awesome, Fine. It's ready, been a while. Really it's been a while. To get, into this, uh, to get into this podcast. This is our first official podcast, I guess, that, we've, uh, that we're releasing on the fly. The last three that we did were obviously pre-released. So, it's exciting to get that feedback from the listeners and obviously get into this uh get into this podcast yeah so for the listeners at home it'd be only one week separating the episodes but it's been about three weeks since we've last recorded um so what i might do is i might throw you over to jack he can give you a little bit of an update on what's happening on the ig uh, and how the podcast is traveling so far yeah awesome so as dy said it's been three weeks since we last chatted so it's good to see everyone's face and hear their voice and we decided to just uh, set up an Instagram for bodybuilding down under as well, just so that we could have like a home base to share the podcast episodes and share some more relevant content as well over the months and years that this podcast will operate. So you can just find us by searching bodybuilding down under on Instagram. You can also tag bodybuilding down under when you share the uh, episodes on your Instagram story too. And our goal with that platform is to also just share different athletes from Australia because the Australian bodybuilding scene, although it's supremely high quality, it's pretty small compared to like the UK and the US as well. So we want to try and uh, share some other extraordinary athletes, both males and females, of course. And uh, yeah, if you got, you guys got any thoughts on the IG? Yeah, I think it's just going to be not necessarily like a new site. I don't think that's really what we're going for, but it's more going to be, you know, people that are maybe going through their preps, going through the off seasons where we notice that they're making some awesome progress, whether it's some epic lifts, some big body composition changes. We just want to use that as a platform to highlight. So yeah, we definitely want to encourage people to tag us in your stories, tag us in your posts as well. And then we're going to reshare it onto our page also so it can hopefully bring you guys a bit of traction and bring you a bit more leverage on social media and that sort of thing so i'm for one i'm really looking forward to it i think it's going to be a nice way to try and unify what is a bit of a fractured industry here in australia so i think it'll be a nice platform to to give back a little bit i think also the goal as well would be to get some competitors on the the podcast as well at some point you know get some special guests uh, as a means of introducing these athletes, talking a little bit more about their story and, you know, just expanding the content in which we bring to you guys as well, guys and girls. So I think that'll be really exciting, just like you said, to unite a bit of a community amongst Australian uh, athletes and to expose and, 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 and draw light to those, those athletes as well. Yeah, perfect. So what I might do is we might do a little bit of a catch up, see what these boys have been up to. Um, like I said, it's been three weeks. So what I might do is I might throw you over to Lawrence first. He can give you a little bit of an update on his mini cut, how that's traveling. And uh, more importantly, why I haven't seen him in trunks on my IG feed yet. Yeah. Well, you know, the rules, mate, you got to keep it in a little bit under control when you're in the mini cut. No one wants to see a, uh, a backside that's only been died in for a few weeks so only joey gets that he gets the exclusive general after dark type things but no it's going well mate like it's uh it's progressing quite nicely we're about halfway through now so four weeks down four to go and this morning i woke up at about 92.8 and i think it's looking fairly tidy at this point and you know another three or four kilos probably more like three off 
will have us right around that 90 kilo mark where we wanted to be. And I'm just looking forward to comparing that to last time because I definitely think up until this point when I compare some shots, there's definitely been some thickness added in a few areas, which has been good. Um, I do definitely have noticed just these last couple sessions that a couple lifts are just feeling like they're a little bit more taxing. And I think, you know, given that it's now been a month in a pretty aggressive deficit, I think it's quite reasonable for a, a few of those slight declines in training, just starting to creep in on some of the bigger movements, but overall not worried about that stuff. It's all a part of the process. What about hunger? Hunger wise, are you starting to feel that sort of increase in sensitization towards, towards hunger? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a really good sweet spot at the moment. Like I'm ready to eat. My appetite is good. I get through the meal without feeling stuffed, but once another five or 10 minutes passed after I've eaten, I've completely forgot about it. And it's just like, oh, whatever, I'll eat again in a couple of hours. Like I'm not thinking about food throughout the day or anything like that. So that's been really nice. Actually, this is sort of that point of hunger where you wish it could always feel like this. You wish you never had to get too much lower than this. You wish you didn't have to push too much higher, but obviously to do what we want to do, we have to push to the extremes and it all comes part and parcel. But no, at the moment, mate, hunger is, you know, exactly where we would hope it to be. And I think, you know, I probably will get a little bit hungrier just over these last couple of weeks. We did drop calories for the first time since the start of the mini cut this week. Just like, I think we dropped five grams of fat and about 25 grams of carbs. So not a massive decrease by any means, just means like a little bit less rice at the end of the day, which is absolutely fine with me. So it's not giving you a uh, prep, prep trauma just yet. No, not really, mate. And, <laughs> and to be honest, like I've tried to also treat this mini cut as just a period of my off season where I'm eating less food. Like I've also tried to stay a little bit more flexible in the fact that, you know, Gemma and I have still gone out for the occasional meal here and there, because I would do that in the off season. I still think that in your mini cut, yes, you're in a deficit. Yes, you're dieting, but when you're in that much of a deficit, does it really matter to be 1 million percent on the dot as you would be in a prep? Like, I still think there's something to be said with still keeping a little bit of a relaxed feel to your mini cut. Like nothing has to, you don't have to throw all your normal off season habits out of the window. Like obviously I'm, if anything, like when we go out to dinner, I'm going to overestimate just to make sure I'm not going over anything like that. I'd rather under eat for the day as long as I'm hitting my protein. So I still try to maintain a fairly normal off season approach. It's just that for these eight weeks, I happen to be eating in the deficit. Mm. what's the plan for over the next couple of weeks so i think i wouldn't be surprised if maybe joey just gives me one more drop that seems to be what he's done in previous mini cuts you know for that last week we might just cut down a bit more because you know it's the last week of dieting we might as well try just push for as much fat loss as we can and then slowly build back up into the surplus i think it'll be a pretty reasonable bump up in calories from the get-go and then we'll just start to chip away from there um, into the next massing phase and then we'll probably eye off another very short tidy up phase i don't even know if i want to call it a mini cut it's literally going to probably be like a a four-week blast in uh december later in the year and that's going to just be our last little spot just to get a bit of fat off and see what body weight we want to start prep at next year very fair what about you big dc Mate, lifestyle-wise, wise, sorry, we just uh, recently moved place to a little bit closer to the city here in Everton Hills. 
from from Newport area. So a bit of a move transition to a different gym as well. So I used to train at Golds up north, and now we're at uh, World Gym Brendale. So that's cool to utilizing some different equipment there. Uh, training wise, mate, just progressing in the gym where I can. Um, no specific focus at this point in time, other than just you know getting stronger amongst all the lifts within this program block, and. In terms of my nutrition and my calories, we're being quite conservative at this point in time in relation to this next sort of pushing phase. I'm a few weeks post the uh, finalization of my, my mini cut phase. So we kind of just reestablished my, my maintenance. And now I anticipate from sort of this week moving forward, we'll start to be a little bit more aggressive with our, our calorie increases from there forward. But uh, mate, not as exciting to you know in terms of what to report comparative to Jack. Must be feeling like absolute zen, mate, having gone away for a while. Yeah, hopefully you guys can see the the tan on my face. And I can't. Sorry. <laughs> okay, I'll blame it on the washed out screen then. Definitely in comparison to the ghost that is Dy. Good grief, mate! You've never. Yeah, I wish you guys up. could see this video of us, all four of us, because there's just one one corner of the screen is just completely white. When we release the next episode, someone's going to get a photo of this one and then post it on after the episode. Put like a, a swipe to it so <laughs> you can see. Well, DC, I had a question for you, like in terms of your training, are you doing like any sort of um, specialization for any body parts? Are you keeping it pretty broad in terms of specialization? Yeah, so I guess the allotment of, of training volume for me is mostly prioritizing like the lower lats, um, or just building building the lats. That was always a little bit more of a weaker spot for me in terms of my my last contest prep. Uh, and then in terms of lower lower emphasis, it's a little bit more centered around hamstring development uh, and adductors. So generally, my allotment of I guess weekly training sets is uh, is greater bias towards towards those those areas. Yeah. Cool. Have you reintroduced the hinging movements yet? I remember last time you said that you had a little bit of an issue with like your back. Yeah, so I am still managing my, my lower back. It's been a little bit up and down. And I think it's it's tied in with when we recently moved house, uh, I had to log this giant fridge up this staircase and we had to turn around a corner as well. And you can imagine it's just myself and, and Nicole doing this, acting as removalists. So it hasn't been feeling too crash hot since then. Um, so it's just been like transitioning back into, into slowly... Um, adding in these these patterns again. So starting off with perhaps like a plate-loaded RDL. Um, and then in the most recent program that's coming up, we'll probably transition into a little bit more of a, a barbell variation. So yeah, it's it's a bit give and take at this point in time with my back, but um, it's definitely feeling a lot better. Yeah. Uh, Jack, what about you? Yeah, so as the boys alluded to, I was recently in Bali with Tierra. And it was, yeah, it was a great time. First time I've been to Indonesia before, but never Bali. And yeah, we stayed at Club Med, which is a pretty incredible resort. If you like that resort style life, which we certainly do. Unlimited food, unlimited drinks. Not that we partook in alcohol very much, but. Nothing. Uh, <laughs> Come on, mate. Uh, I might drop? Have, the closest thing I got to alcohol was using the hand sanitizer there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Please That's tell it. me you, you just like you didn't track calories for that time frame. No, I didn't. Not at all. And all right. fantastic. Fact, yeah. In fact, the the because I'm in a, the peak of my gaining phase at the moment, I I actually still found it a little bit difficult to eat enough food, and um, I still ate in abundance. There were three meals of of buffets, and came back at around the same body weight. 
I did bring my body weight scale there. I'm not going to lie just to help keep track of, um, give me some sort of biofeedback, which was quite useful. Um, otherwise I probably would have lost even, um, lost a decent amount of weight, but yeah, it was a great time. Felt very relaxed and highly recommend club med as well to anyone, um, for an affordable resort style life. Yeah. Some of the food that you guys took photos of looked incredible. Yeah, it was, it was basically a, all you can eat gourmet sort of menu and you kind of picked your plate at each breakfast, lunch and dinner, which was incredible. Uh, so there was no drinking of olive oil or anything like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Some we- of those plates look ridiculous, mate. I was going to ask you in terms of your training whilst you were there, cause I didn't notice that you got a few sessions in, what was the rationale? I'm not sure if maybe you discussed it with AJ, but what was the reason why you didn't just go like an active rest considering you guys had a few activities planned? It wasn't like you were just sitting around doing nothing. Mm. Yeah, well, it was, I, it was because it was actually similar to the reason we discussed on our TBD episode together where I knew that if I got in a few sessions over there, because I had a leg press, I had a chest press, so not actually that bad. And I know that if I do some movements similar to my program at the moment, I'll be able to ease in a little better without as severe doms, um, getting more accustomed to the movement pattern as opposed to having a complete week off. And it certainly paid off because like the first two sessions I've had this week have been absolutely spot on. Like I've even um, exceeded some load and reps in certain exercises. So very happy that I got those sessions in. And like, I, I mean, I had excess free time anyway, so didn't take up a lot of our schedule. Yeah, that sounds like pretty decent rationale. Yeah. Uh, DY, how's things on your end, mate? Other than, you know, just being extremely pale and stuff like that. (laughs) Obviously no sun. Uh, No, everything's been good. So I've, like I said, last time just finished up with my mini cut. So I'm about four weeks post mini cut now. Everything's traveling really smoothly. Um, Joey's got me on a little bit of like a a volume increase this week. So going in before the deload, we're going to increase volume slightly on the muscle groups I'm trying to prioritize. Uh, Obviously given a little bit more volume, I was recovering really well, no issues with it. Um, Progress was coming along and I just figured that we might be able to squeeze in a little bit more volume into that chest and back. So other than that, everything's feeling very, uh, very good. Um, Close to the fifties on the incline dumbbells, but they're moving very slowly now. So I think next rotation is probably going to be the rotation they get subbed out. Unfortunately, they were they were on for a good run for about forty weeks post show, but the time's come. Uh, but other than that, I went on a holiday too. Unfortunately, it wasn't uh, a week in Bali. It was only one night in Broadbeach. But you know, it was good to have a little wind down, a little bit of a break. Um, but one thing I actually wanted to ask Jack is how he went about the. Um, the entirety of the holiday. Cause for me personally, I find it very hard to wind down while on a holiday. Um, for me, I'm normally all go, go, go. And it's like the stars have got to align for me more or less to have like, let's say a whole week off training and nutrition. Like I couldn't do it post coming out of a recovery diet or anything like that. I just feel like mentally I'd just be kind of wasting it. Um, and I wanted to figure out, dive into that a little bit more on like how we went about managing it. It was just like basic, deload training no tracking any food how'd you go about that yeah it's a great question i'm sure many of the listeners can relate and for me i certainly would have struggled a lot more in the past especially with the nutrition side of things and it was quite unique for me this time because in contrast to other times like let's say back in 2019 i went in in february to thailand to a club med resort also and 
back then I was a lot leaner. I was, I was pretty close to being um, like 80 kilos. And back then I worried a lot because I didn't want to gain excessive amounts of weight while on holiday. I was tempted to track my, my meals there. But this time I just uh, fell back on my skills of like intuitive eating per se, listened to my hunger cues. And that's kind of the recommendations I would give to other people who also go on holiday is to enjoy your time. That's the most important thing to consider, but also fall back on those skills of intuitive eating, um, be active on your holiday as well. Don't go crazy. And that's kind of what I did as well. I certainly struggled a little bit more, more so than Tierra, even with uh, like completely trying to stop work altogether, like not posting anything on TBD in terms of content. And uh, like not, I, I actually took a, a week away from check-ins with my clients as well. And that was quite hard for me, but uh, I'm glad to be back. And I think sometimes a complete break like that is good because you come back feeling super refreshed. It's like a lifestyle deload. Mm, exactly, yeah. Yeah, because even when I'm on my holiday, let's say for that one night or whatever it is, I find it so hard to like not reply to people. So people be like, oh, like, hey, can like I swap out this exercise? This one's taken. Like you're sitting there and like, God, I want to reply to them within the 10 minutes so they can actually, but then it's like, I'm sitting out at dinner. So it's like, it is hard to wind down like that. But um, yeah, I like how you approached it. Yeah, thanks. Um, so any of you boys get a chance to check out the new uh, Natural Bodybuilding Worldwide website? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, everyone got their, got their free free week. We're in there, mate. We are amongst it. It's been pretty good so far. I, I took uh, the first day to just kind of, look through the site i must say like the friendly nature i guess the it's very user friendly is what i should say you know it's really easy na to navigate i like how the forums have been sectioned off into like different topics as well there's like training nutrition there's like health and injuries which i'm sure i'll be scouring through to see if i can throw my two cents in there and then there's also just like general topics and everyone's log who you can follow. And then, yeah, I just actually finished up before this watching Ben Howard's video where he did like a push and arm session and I'm halfway through Keefe's first one as well. So yeah, so far so good, man. I think it's going to be something pretty special for the natural bodybuilding community. And of course, through the, the connection with Jack, we're pretty stoked to have them on board as well as a sponsor for the show. So you can expect to see us hopefully collaborating a little bit in the future. Yeah, definitely. You, you got I your think, new telehealth link now as well, Lawrence. So you can just post that in there and you can pick up all the physios. Yeah, Anyone exactly. Needs a physio, you just drop your little telehealth link in there and your little price and then you're off. They'll all be getting up at like 1am though for the consult because it would have to be in my work hours. So they'll be yeah. up there like in the dark trying to tell me what part of their knee hurts. <laughs> Are you actually allowed to work overseas out of interest? Like, can you can you work with someone in the UK? I'm actually not sure. That's a great question. That's a really good question. I know, I think I've heard that mentioned before. Yeah, I would have to check that out, to be honest. I mean, not that I've had any inquiries from anyone overseas yet, but I suppose that would be something that I'd need to think about because that's a very good point. Technically, I'm providing care in England or whatever. So it would need to be registered with those, you know, governing bodies and stuff like that. So definitely wouldn't be game at this stage, but yeah, I'd have to look into that. Mm. You mentioned well, um, there before. Sorry to, to segue. You mentioned a name there, Ben Ben Howard. He, man, he had one of the most incredible glute shots I've ever, I've ever seen. Dude, the whole rear that, double. That you, yeah, that that rear double is just ridiculous. It's probably um, the best rear double in natural bodybuilding. Realistically, I, yeah, I don't think you can I, name I, it I better. It's, 
Yeah, it's absurd. Hey, I agree with that absolutely. So yeah, I I actually subscribed uh, this morning to uh, Natural Bodybuilding Worldwide. So I'm very excited to look through their their content. I haven't quite had a chance to look through today, but we'll be looking through uh, later this week. So yeah, very very excited for this. Yeah, and for for those listeners who uh, haven't heard of Natural Bodybuilding Worldwide, it's essentially a community. It's a website and all other like-minded individuals are on there. So a lot of other natural bodybuilders, of course, as Lawrence said, like it has a great opportunity, like a learning center. It has a forum, has um, some training videos as well, which there's already some good ones from Keithy and, and Ben Howard on there as well. And yeah, um, as Lawrence also alluded to, like they're sponsoring the, the podcast, which is really great of them to do so. Um, so we'll be ensuring to keep up to date with everything on natural bodybuilding worldwide. And we encourage all the listeners to check it out as well. The education on there is quite good as well, because you don't really have many, um, let's say, courses that will tell you how to do a prep or how they make the decisions behind the prep. And on there, from what I've seen, I've seen a couple of the videos, you know, very informative of like, you know, a pre-prep phase, like, you know, where you want to be roughly starting off the prep, because a lot of people get that wrong, like what AJ said. Um, and, you know, how to go about making the changes, where to start nutrition wise, um, you know, it's really informative and just nothing really like that, uh, especially in the education side of it and speaking of uh uk-based bodybuilders we of course have to get our mandatory keefy west mention out of the way have you did you well first of all he did a video with larry wheels which is ridiculous and then have you been seeing the videos he's posting because he's like training shirtless in whatever gym he's at in dubai and he just looks absolutely ridiculous like i i'm blown away to be honest the density hey <laughs> I, I checked out Larry Wheel's video just for the comment section, and I don't think there's one person who thinks that Keefe's natty in that comment section. But obviously, yeah, of none of them, none of them are natural <laughs> bodybuilders. So, yeah, none of them are probably bodybuilders anyway. But you know, yeah. they'll they'll throw the shade. Mm. Nah, Ke- Keefe's absolutely insane. I've just seen how he's progressed over like what the last three, four years. <laughs> He trains insane though. Like, I don't think I've ever seen someone train probably as hard as him nearly natural bodybuilding wise. Like he just pushes the limits. Like, you know, he's so young yet hack squatting seven plates aside and like, you know, barbell back squatting, like, you know, astronomical numbers, deadlifting, like what? Like 280 plus for reps as well. It's, it's truly impressive to see what like someone like that's capable of. Which I know is, that he was, you know, you think about another 10 years worth of lifting, lifting experience and, and and being in the trenches he's going to be moving some incredible weights but also the tissue that you'll add over that decade is yeah it's going to be incredible he is an incredible athlete from what i recall is uh his goal is the olympia stage from what i think i heard on one of the podcasts so i'm truly excited to see what he could accomplish uh making the jump if he does decide to down the line That'll be a really good way to to silence all those people in the comment section because it's like, oh, well, if you think he doesn't look natty now, just wait till he's actually not natty. It's just going to be freaking mind-blowing, really. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see like a top tier natural bodybuilder then go into the, you know, like the IFBB and then like, you know, still rank among the top there mm-hmm. as well to show that it truly does transfer. Cause like you've seen like the old photos of like Sean Clarita, like placing like um, second or whatever it was to Brian Whitaker at the WMBF. And now, you know, obviously he made the jump and he's winning Mr. Olympias like in the two twelve division. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Keefe actually compares as like a 
very high level natural bodybuilder than if he does decide to make that switch. I actually remember Matty News Daily posting up a picture of um, Sean Florida like back in his WNBF days and uh, like had an, obviously an incredible physique at that point as well. Um, and then obviously making that, that transition and that jump to the enhanced routes, your physique changes tremendously. <laughs> yeah, I think he was in the overall um, versing like, or yeah, he was in the overall. I think he might've come like second or third in the overall. Obviously he would have been the very uh, lightweight class, but yeah, really impressive. That's probably not a bad segue into actually one of the listener questions that we got. So obviously now that we're, starting to record these episodes weekly without having any uh, banked ahead like we were prior to releasing the podcast. Now we can offer out some listener questions. So you would have seen the poll on the bodybuilding down on Instagram, if you follow the page. And one of the questions was actually, do any of us plan on venturing over to the dark side of the force and using PEDs in the future? So Mr. Radford Smith, why don't you kick us off with your answer? Yeah, well, what a topic. And I think it was only a matter of time before we got asked this question. So we may as well begin with it. And I think I'll disclaim in saying firstly that I really don't know too much about PEDs. Like, I know the bare minimum. I know some of the names, but that pretty much caps my knowledge. The short answer is I can't see myself taking PEDs. I've talked about this a little bit on, on the TBD podcast as well. And the main reason why is just the uncertainty regarding health. And I've seen like a lot of different people saying, oh, there's a safe way to take them. Some people say, as soon as you, there's no safe minimum, kind of like what some people say about alcohol, there's no safe amount of alcohol um, to consume in terms of health. And that's kind of my viewpoint on them at the moment. And if I was going to take them, I would want to be pursuing the top level of a particular sport. And we know in order to pursue the top level of the enhanced areas of bodybuilding, you kind of need to take a lot of PDs. So that's certainly not going to be me. Yeah. I mean, I like, I have nothing against people who take PDs, you know, disclaimer. Um, It's never really been something that I've wanted to pursue. Um, And I think growing up and being a competitive swimmer, and basically, you know, PDs being shunned and completely off the cards in relation to competitive swimming as a sport. It's always been ingrained to me that that's just not the route to go. Um, and so then pursuing bodybuilding as, as a sport, it's, it's never really been on the cards for me. I also think that the, the natural bodybuilding community is expanding like tremendously. It's becoming a hell of a lot more popular as well. So it used to be this, this, this thought process that basically taking PEDs was like the next step. And I think that that next step is, is being a little bit sort of phased out a little bit. It's being erased to a degree and that you can still do tremendously as a natural athlete and, you know, be on the world stage for WNBF and, and obviously compete overseas. And, and so it's, it's less of a transition and more of a sidestep, I, I feel. Um, I also didn't have any friends at the time when I first started training that were really interested in, in, in PED. So I never really had that sort of peer pressure or, or social influence or anything like that. Uh, I can imagine it would have been perhaps easier for some people where like your whole friendship group are all, you know, taking PEDs and, 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 and things like that. So yeah, I, I never had that sort of social pressure or anything like that. 
And, and ultimately that's, I guess that's what's kept me down that natural route. Yeah. I can certainly resonate with that because we're, we're also all very ingrained in the natural bodybuilding community as well. And I feel like it would also almost be a little bit weird for us to suddenly because there, there's no doubt there is two different camps, not necessarily in a bad way, but there's the natural federation. Then there's the enhanced federations where we mostly dabble in the, with ICN and the other natural federations, but would be interesting if we ever crossed over. Yeah. So I'd be lying if I uh, said that I haven't thought about it at least once or twice. Um, I've had a consultation call with someone that's extremely knowledgeable in the industry about taking it. Obviously I, if I was going to take it myself, I would want to actually chat with someone that deals with that on a daily basis and has a lot of knowledge around that. So I did have a consultation call with someone before thinking about doing it. Um, obviously I've never made the jump so far. Um, this was like while I was in my last comp prep. So I was thinking about maybe making the jump um, maybe after the comp, you know, but I obviously never did that. And I've won my pro card now recently as well. So if I was to make the jump, I would have to then give up uh, my pro card. So I've obviously decided against it for now. And obviously I'd be a hundred percent truthful going forward if I was to make the jump. But like I said, I think it runs through a lot of younger guys, um, heads, especially at the start of their career, if they're doing really well, um, maybe if they really love the sport. For me, I loved training and I loved nutrition and it was kind of the next jump for me. But that being said, there are alternative routes in natural bodybuilding now as well. Um, natural bodybuilding is getting bigger than what it originally was. And I've just decided to follow out through natural bodybuilding. Um, I'll make my pro debut as a natural. And, you know, down the line, there might be that jump, but I can't really see it at the moment yeah it sounds like we're all going to be realistically saying very similar thing i think i probably resonate most with what dc said in the fact that growing up like as an athlete playing sport and even just influences from i guess my parents and stuff like that i've always kind of looked at taking gear or taking steroids as that sort of oh no well you know that's bad mom said not to take drugs mom said not to do this so it's kind of like more so been I just know it wouldn't be something I'd be willing to do it's not something that's consistent with my character like I know I'm not really a risk taker in that way because there obviously is going to be a risk to your health when you do go down that path and like DC said as well like I've got absolutely nothing against the use of PEDs in the enhanced realm most of the bodybuilders that I follow are enhanced like a lot of the people I watch on YouTube and follow on social media but I do think you know, if you are going to use that sort of thing, just at least be responsible with it. Have someone in your corner who knows what they're doing and have regular checkups with your doctor and stuff like that. And also it goes without saying, but just don't go anywhere near a natural federation as a competitor. That's, you know, a pretty uh, greaseball thing of you to do. But no, I, I know that it's one of those things where most people say, oh, you know, I have thought about it, but I, without trying to say like I'm holier than thou, like it truly has never really crossed my mind because I know that's just not an option for me. I know that's not something I'd entertain the thought of. And, you know, you, you look at the best physiques in the world in the natural game. And to me, that's a, a look that I want to attain. That's a look that I enjoy. That's a look I'd be proud of. And I just think that there's so much room to grow as a natural. And there's so much time that you need to put in to get there. And I feel like the runway ahead of me as a natural bodybuilder is more than long enough to keep me sustained and keep me interested and motivated. Yeah, it certainly sounds like we're all on the same page. And 
I do have one sort of devil's advocate question to, to share with you guys. And let's say hypothetically, we all keep competing until we're in our forties, mid forties. By that time, like who knows what will happen to our natural testosterone levels. They could be, I mean, mine are already low to begin with. So I don't even want to think about where mine is in 20 years, but like at that point, would you guys consider like using supplementary, test supplementary testosterone or what's your consensus around that? I, I still, I still stand pretty firm as to, as to where my position is, um, uh, especially not for competitive purposes. Like I think if I'm, if I'm down the track and I've done many, many shows and many seasons, and I'm very content with my co competitive career, you know, through the course of my, my bodybuilding, I very much doubt I would be in a position where I'm like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm seeing my test levels go down. My muscularity is, is, is decreasing. You know, I'm going to take something to try and oppose that. And I think there just needs to be, for, for me, it would just be a matter of acceptance that like, this is what happens as I, as I age mm -hmm. and I'm going to make the most out of the master's categories potentially. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's kind of my stand. So I'm pretty sure if like a doctor prescribes you like a TRT level dose and you have a doctor certificate and it's within like that natural levels, I'm pretty sure you're still able to compete as a natural because like one, you've already gotten ticked off by the doctor to say, Hey, he's not actually abusing this drug. It's actually needed because he does have low test levels. That being said, your test levels would probably need to be quite a low for you mm. to probably have to be prescribed that. Yeah. yeah, I think when you're starting to get into that realm, like we're starting to talk about quality of life. We're not necessarily thinking about being the most jacked or strong version of yourself. So like, I think if you're one of those people who naturally sit on the lower end and by the time you're, you know, mid forties, mid fifties, your test is through the floor and your libido sucks, you've got no energy, you've got no drive. Like, obviously then I think it's a sensible idea to actually try get some medical help because it's going to improve your quality of life but obviously you know competing around that as you feel is ethically viable whether or not you still want to do shows by that point and you want to do some ifbb stuff or whether or not you still want to just explore the option to get signed off to compete in the natural feds i think that's up to the individual but yeah i just think when it comes to quality of life i think that's where it's almost a different argument altogether mm, absolutely yeah it's like trying to increase your test levels back within the physiological range or you're trying to push them super physiologically to retain if not you know improve upon your muscularity at a, at a mature age mm -hmm. i think they're two different two different camps and conversations yeah, yeah just picking up on something you said before dc i guess i might throw over to one of the other boys to answer this first like on the topic of like masters com competitive bodybuilding do you think any of you guys will want to take part in masters comps because i for one have got no interest i think yeah. i'd want to give masters a crack for sure yeah why not i mean i think no matter what no matter what your age is you, you the stage will always be there right and it's all about bringing your best to the stage so age is just a number to me you know if i if i'm motivated and driven towards competing and i'm 50 60 whatever age i am i i will i'll go for it even if it's not your best package, like when you hit your inevitable peak and you know that each year you're not going to quite be as good, would that be okay with you? Because that's what would put me off competing in Masters, to be honest. Like once I hit what is my best look ever, I'm pretty happy to pack it in from there. I think there's a lot more to a contest prep than just simply bringing your best package. You know, it's often it's about challenging the status quo and, and challenging 
um, you know, yourself in, in, in perhaps at that point at being a master's athlete, there's certain things that you want to overcome within your own psyche or, you know, there's certain things that you want to prove that you can do uh, to yourself as well. So for me, it's yes, you want to bring your best package, but there is a point in which perhaps that best package is, is no longer your best package, but for the circumstances at hand, it is. So, yeah, I, I think you can look at it from different perspectives as in like, I'm not going to compete because I won't look my best or I love this sport and I want to continue to pursue competitive bodybuilding irrespective of, of my age. Um, so, and I guess, look, it might, it may change in, you know, 30, 40 years time for me, but um, that's my stance, I guess, at this point. Yes. Yeah, geez, I don't even know when my next holiday is planned, let alone if I'm going to be uh, competing in, uh, what is it, 25 years? What's Masters, 40s, 50s? So it's going to be a while. But that being said, like, even like, you've still got some top level bodybuilders that could probably be in that Masters. Like, you've got like Jeff Alberts, like, he's been competing for like, um, so long now, where it's like, you know, he pretty much improves every year, if not brings a very similar package. Like, I think he competes like every two to three years. Um, but like, you know, he's still bringing competitive level physiques at a pro lineup uh, at about 50, probably maybe even a little bit higher. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Another one because was I mean, Brian Whitaker. He's only what, 40, 40, 45 or something like that, is it? Think about so it's 40. Not, I mean, I, I don't even consider that to be old, to be fair. Like as, in, as a natural uh, athlete who's been in the game for a long time, like the level of maturity and uh, density that you would bring to the stage just like Jeff Alberts, for example, like he brings his best look and he's, he's obviously his oldest age. <laughs> so yeah, I think again, two camps competing at maybe 60, 70, that might look a lot different to obviously competing when you're 40, 50. Even Brian Whitaker came back like this year, he would be over 40 now too. He bought a very competitive, uh, physique obviously not the best he's probably ever bought compared to what like 10 years ago but he still bought a very impressive conditioned um package for someone that's probably dialed off the training a little bit and gone into that dad life yeah i think it wouldn't be so much of a all right what is your age and past a certain age i'm going to stop competing i don't think it's much as that it's more just the fact of every single time i do a prep i want to be you know confident that if i do everything in my power if i tick all my boxes that I'm going to beat the package before. And, you know, you know, that might carry me through till maybe I'm competing still when my, when I am in my fifties, but I just know that for me personally to go through the rigors of a contest prep to stand on stage and look at the end result and, and not have it been quite as good as I've been in the past. Like, I think for me, it would start to lose its shine a little bit. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see how, um, how opinions on that change over time. When we're doing the podcast in, in, in 20, 20, 30 years time. <laughs> so I get the next question now. One of the ones that the listeners ask is uh, machines versus free weights. Does it really matter as long as we're progressing? I might uh, throw it over to, let's say, Lawrence here, see what he thinks. Um, and then we can rotate around. Yeah. So I think if we're thinking from a hypertrophy perspective, like it comes back to that same thing we've all been told you know, the, the muscles don't even really know what they're doing. They don't know they're in the gym. They just know that they've got a stimulus on them. They know that they're stretching and then contracting. And if we progressively overload that over time, that's going to provide a requisite stimulus for us to grow. But when you start to get into, I guess, a bit more of the nitty gritty, and while some of these things don't necessarily have evidence to back them up, I think we can all agree that the best densest physiques that we see out there have not been built on solely machines or solely free weights. There's been a mixture of both. And I think that 
from a general standpoint of making sure you're hitting a variety of muscle groups, I think that's where your free weights can provide a lot of benefit. So you're going to get a, a lot of bang for your buck out of a barbell bench press, a barbell deadlift, a barbell back squat. And I think not including those in your program is probably missing out to a certain extent. But of course, that's providing that you can do those with you know minimal to no pain, providing they suit your biomechanics, providing they're things that you enjoy as well, because I think that's a big part of training. So look, I think there's never going to be, there's very few people who I think are all one way or the other. I think most sensible bodybuilders are going to find a mixture in between. What about you, DC? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think we, it, c- it can be easy for us to think in absolutes as like good or bad and, you know, putting these into different camps. And I think the answer is always in the gray and it's always context specific. So, um, you know, perhaps machines might be more advantageous to someone who is new into the gym where perhaps they're not too uh, acquainted with certain movement patterns. And perhaps as they start to learn more free weights, they're transitioning away from machines. So machines makes up the vast majority of perhaps their training volume. Um, or perhaps you've got someone who, you know, is injured and they require a fixed plane to help them overcome their injury as a means of gradually exposing them back into free weights based movements again. So, you know, the kind of the, the, the word, as long as we're progressing, it, it really depends on what, what are you progressing from? And obviously the, the context in relation to that. Um, and like you said, we know based on the evidence surrounding hypertrophy that we can achieve hypertrophy through many different means. And there's so many different ways to skin a cat. So the, the rep range in which we, we, can, we can elicit hypertrophic gains is, you know, quite, quite broad. The load, the, the, time under temp, temp, uh, the time under tension, you know, the T, TUT, um, so I think machines versus free weights, like you said, it's very hard to, to isolate a, um, a person who's an advanced based athlete, athlete who has only ever done machine-based movements, like, and that's all they've done. You know, there's always a matter of, of, of a mixed approach to these. And I think it's just also about a enjoyment factor as well. So look, if you enjoy doing mostly machine-based movements and you derive large amounts of enjoyment and, and you absolutely love that about your training, you know, why not? Why let anybody tell you that that's not the training approach that you should pursue? If you're making progress, you're loving your training, uh, you know, vice versa in relation to you know, free weights. If you're someone who just loves free weights over machines, then prioritize that. I don't think... You know, there's, I think that there's certain, certain perhaps movements or, or, or areas of the muscle in which perhaps we should, we should prioritize machines. So for example, you know, do, doing some sort of uh, knee extension based movement or a leg extension. Um, so, you know, there are certain perhaps gaps to fill from a hypertrophic standpoint where we prioritize one versus the other, or perhaps have the inclusion of both. But uh, I think we sort of have to try and get away from that sort of black or white mentality and it's, uh, it's, you know, the answer is right smack down in the middle in the gray. Yeah, I don't want to just repeat what you guys said, but <laughs> I completely agree. And I'll try and add some of my own unique points to it. But especially the point you said, DC, about there being machines better suited than free weight exercises for certain muscle groups or to train certain muscle groups, like a leg curl, a leg extension. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever tried like a leg curl with a dumbbell, but I did that many times in home training and it sucks i certainly prefer a machine leg curl and i think the the movement for me i could quite happily do machines for almost every exercise in my current program probably other than my main hip hinge 
and maybe this will relate to you guys as well. But for example, like a, a back extension isn't going to replicate an RDL for me, especially the load that I'm lifting on an RDL. Um, and I can't think of many other X or any machine dominant exercise, which is going to replicate um, an RDL for me. So that's my own like unique example is could probably do free uh, machines for, for most muscle groups for me, just probably couldn't replicate an RDL. And I think quite naturally, a lot of people get to maybe that strength level in certain machines where they might have to have to transition to free weights because they kind of overtake the capacity of a particular machine. You can, you could definitely load up a Smith machine and perform an RDL. I mean, I would say almost based on how the Smith machine is structured, perhaps in terms of, you know, sometimes there's a contour as to like a diagonal loading pattern, as opposed to a straight up and down. So one might feel a bit more comfortable than the other in terms of executing the movement. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, like, like you said, man, it's context dependent. Mm. What about you, DY? Oh, well, I think you boys have said it perfectly. I reckon there's a fine balance. You need, obviously, like, well, you probably could get away with doing a large amount of machine-based stuff for everything, but I think the answer lies directly in the middle somewhere. Like, you do need some of the heavier compound movements with, like, barbells and stuff like that. Like, I don't think I've ever seen someone step on a pro-level bodybuilding stage that hasn't picked up a barbell. Like, you know, they've done heavy deadlifts, they've done heavy squats, something along the lines of that. But that being said, they've also done machine-based stuff like, you know, leg extensions, like, you know, hamstring curls. Like you said, it's very hard to replicate a leg extension um, with a dumbbell. I don't know, just the way it loads, it, it just won't hit the same. That's the same with like hamstring curls as well. Like, I guess you could maybe like, if you wanted to hit the hammies a little bit more, maybe like do a couple of more sets of RDLs or something like that. Maybe pick a different exercise, like a hamstring bridge. But in the end, I think, like, like you boys said, the answer lies somewhere in the middle, uh, a little bit, of, a little bit of both. It's often interesting when you, when you hear some, some individuals talk about machine-based uh, um, movements and it's like, oh, you know, this isn't functional. We shouldn't be performing machine-based exercises. And, you know, it's, it's the, the description or the, the answer is right in the word there, like the function, well, what's the function? Like it's context dependent again in bodybuilding. The function is to try and build as much lean tissue as possible. Right. And, and which we're trying to create higher levels of uh, mechanical tension to recruit those high threshold motor units. So machines are going to serve that perfectly. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Maybe if you're an Ollie lifter and you're doing all machine-based movements, well, Hey, you know, yeah, that's, that's probably not functional to what you're trying to excel in, but in bodybuilding, I think the, we have a wider array of movements that we can prioritize, which within our kind of arsenal. This question is going to be quite interesting because I think it could uh, be quite funny at the exact same time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get one of you boys to kind of guess which one you think I would be in. And the question is, um, if we were females, what div divisions would we enter? So I'm going to let Dan DC here pretty much guess what division I would do if I was a female. Streetwear. Streetwear. <laughs> Damn. Throwing the shade. Or, or angels. No, nothing, nothing wrong against these divisions whatsoever. But uh, I don't know, man. Um, uh, God, what about what about the complete transition to female bodybuilding? Uh, I don't think I could ever do female bodybuilding. If uh, one one division that I'm very passionate about is like bikini and specifically IFBB bikini. So I reckon if I was to pick one, 
that I'll, if I was a female, the division that I would hone in on, it would probably most definitely be IFBB bikini. I deliberately didn't say that because I knew exactly that that would be, <laughs> that, would be that would not create conversation. I didn't say, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's but really- I do love the idea of the angel wings. So, you know, I would love to strut my way on stage in a nice little pink bikini with a nice pair of uh, pink angel wings. What about you, Lawrence? What would you well, be? Oh well, I, I was actually going to guess for one of the other boys because I think oh, that, yeah, yeah. I think that Mr. Radford Smith would be just through and throw women's bodybuilding, nice and simple, nice and classic. Yeah, I, I don't think I could stand wearing those heels. So anything to get me out of heels. So bodybuilding would certainly be for me. Damn, that wasn't my guess. I thought he would have been like a classic figure or uh, what is it, the international figure nice petite shape because he because it was he won the classic overall so i was like you got to have something to match it like you know i figured that the figure would but be uh, next time closest. i'm gonna win a bodybuilding overall so yeah that is true that's true I'll, right. I'll take a guess at uh lawrence so i think it's either gonna be figure or bodybuilding i mean my my heart is telling me bodybuilding as well for lawrence you had it right the first time mate. i'd probably go figure as well to be honest because okay. I, I do really like figure. I think of all the female divisions, it's probably my favorite to watch because it's still, you know, they're freaking jacked. And then there's still like an element of presentation and, and elegance and that sort of thing, which I quite like. But and femininity they, as well. Yeah, yeah. But the uh, the old dump truck gets pretty big in the off season. So if I was happy to go the dark side, I could dabble in wellness perhaps. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. You just have yeah. to change, change your nationality to Brazilian. Mate, wasn't an old mate at the IFBB going on about that? He was just dropping the fact that it was like, this is from Brazil, this is from Brazil. I was like, Tony, give it a rest, mate. We get it. <laughs> Guess it leaves what, what, do you, what, do you reckon, what do you reckon I would, I would go down? Well, I reckon you would have to be bodybuilding. He's too big not to go bodybuilding. You know, uh, that's my guess anyway. Or what about something like fitness, but fitness in the IFBB? We could maybe I could see a, a female DC having a really good physique, but then also putting a bit of a fitness routine together, doing some flips, doing back like sort of Missy Truscott, one of uh, John Meadows' old clients. Like she, mm-hmm. that, that's crazy what they do, man. Like, could you imagine being at the end of prep when like walking to the other side of the kitchen feels like a chore and then you have to practice this like parkour routine? Like I could never imagine how hard that is. Well, the last time I did a flip, I was probably 10 years old and it was a backflip into a pool. So I can't see myself doing flips at this point in time. But uh, I would probably say women's figure. I think figure's uh, an awesome um, category. I think it's that, like you like you said, that that mixture between bodybuilding but also ma- maintaining you know, femininity. And um, I just like the posing. Yeah, I think I would probably choose figure. I think women's bodybuilding, especially in like natural in the natural realm, is so minuscule now. There's not many competitors, and the, when there is, it's only done in one division. I just don't think there's as many people that actually truly want to do bodybuilding as a female anymore. Like I think the last Brisbane show, which is probably the biggest one nearly in Australia for a state show, probably only had like two or three bodybuilders on there. So, and it was all in one division. So it does make it hard for someone to you know want to be a competitive bodybuilder in natural bodybuilding as a female with such little competition, I guess. Mm, I think there's also one of the variables at play is, is also perhaps not having the genetic predisposition towards that category as well. 
Um, because I think as a, as, a, as a woman or as women to do really, really well within women's bodybuilding, you obviously have to have a, a much more muscular build, even within the natural, natural realm as well. So um, if you're perhaps more petite, then, then you may not do well within that category. So I think your genetic proclivities will often play a role as to what category you decide as well. And perhaps it's just less women that have those predispositions towards that, that category. I think many are also going into figure as well, just because it's a more popular division at the moment. They might not even be aware of bodybuilding potentially. Yeah, absolutely. I did want to ask one of the uh, questions that I had seen on the poll, which I'd be interested to hear from you guys. One of the question askers asked, what are some of the cringeworthy or dirty little, uh, what's what I'm looking for? The uh, quiet pleasures that we have in, in the preset gym playlist at the moment so is there any songs that are playing during the top sets at the moment that you may be not sharing on your spotify i listen to drum and bass when i'm when i'm lifting and i usually just like on on soundcloud just through like just random mixes as it just like transitions between them so i can't even tell you a name of a song but i listen to some filthy drum and bass <laughs> i love how you call it filthy as well like it's just uh, it's disgusting it's disgusting yeah I think for me, it's probably uh, Deja Vu by Olivia Rodrigo. I do find that that tends to, to light a certain fire during the top sets. So that's probably my guilty pleasure at the moment. I thought it would have been Nicki Minaj or something, or like some T-Swift or something on those D-load weeks. Yeah, a bit of T-Swift, mate. The, uh, the old, uh, that 10-minute song, what's that one that she has? That goes oh. hard. I know, but yeah, I could just imagine you trying to like calm yourself down on a deload week, trying focusing on on uh, squeezing them glutes when you're doing your glute thrust. Now on the deload, it's it's exclusively podcasts. I reckon that's the way to to find the zen. Well, you probably asked the wrong question for me because I don't listen to pretty much like <laughs> I don't even listen to music. Like as you guys probably know, um, I listen to, like motivational stuff. Like normally when I train, I know it just gets me in the zone a little bit more than music. Uh, on deloads, I don't really listen to anything. Maybe like a light, little bit of motivation. Maybe like a podcast, like what Lawrence does. But yeah, sorry, I'm not as uh, interesting. What about you, Jack? Yeah, I mean, my stuff is usually pretty normal. Um, there is this one song recently. Like, I do like soundtracks. I usually don't listen to soundtracks uh, while I train. It's more so like when I work or when I used to study a bit more. Uh, but there, there's this uh, movie called The Last of the mohicans anyway but it has a great soundtrack um and there's a remix of it which is actually really good and it's by this guy called cartoon but instead of the a it's a b highly recommended it. it's on it's on soundcloud and um yeah that's getting me fired up at the moment but that's about it thought i'd share that because it's a bit unusual otherwise it's for me it's mainly like drum and bass like dc and some metal as well i like being screamed at while i train so by someone else at least some of that keefy west techno or whatever it is like the hard style get you really amped up yeah hard style occasionally but mainly i would say like um thrice is one of my favorites and also just the typical like heavy metal stuff just a bit of anger fist that's it but might run one last question before we decide to uh wrap it up uh one that i got asked which i find is probably a little bit more common in our industry um, is pretty much like switching coaches. The best way to approach it. Um, I feel like everyone's kind of had that like um, 
well, a large majority of people have swapped coaches and how to do it correctly. Um, like, for example, Jack's had a previous coach a while ago that took him through his first rep, prep, which won't be his next preps coach. So how to do it. I know Lawrence has been in my inbox all week. I know he's asked to jump ship as well. I said, man, unless you got a peachy, peachy <laughs> bum, you're not allowed on the team. So I've had to back. pricing as well. Mate, yeah. your, my, my booty would go very well on team DY and you know it. It would. No, I'm not going to lie. After that though as well. So I don't think that would work. Good point. That's a great point. You need a membership to sign up to mine. <laughs> Yes, yeah, any of you boys got any tips for it? Um, switching coaches, how to go about it? Yeah, I'm happy to kick this off since I guess I, I have technically switched coaches. And yeah, Alan took me through my first two preps and then I switched to AJ Morris, who I'm still under now. And I kind of view it how you would switch, let's say, internet providers. Like I know that's a really stupid example, but it's like trying out a different internet provider. Like some of the, there might be different pros, there might be cons to each of them. And it's like experiencing two different approaches to your journey. And like, obviously it's a completely different story if you don't get along with your current coach and you want to switch due to that reason. But I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to experience a different individual coach. You. And that's exactly why I switched from Alan to AJ is to get a different perspective on my training and nutrition. Definitely wasn't because I thought Alan was a poor coach or because he was doing anything wrong. Um, and I think if your coach takes it the wrong way, that's on them, not on you, because every coach should understand that that's kind of what the market is like and that they should understand, um, your desire as a client, like the client should always come first. I think as a coach, you recognize that when an athlete signs on with you, it's unrealistic for them to stay with you for the rest of their life or their, their, their athletic career perhaps perhaps they might you know perhaps perhaps that is viable um but this is a journey for each and every person and perhaps at the time they think that it's more wise for them to pursue someone else's services as a means of growing in an area in which you know you no longer provide a service for or um wanting to provide or, or, or gain education in a certain area that, that you're not providing or just transitioning away from yeah so i just i think it's it's organic to you know you're not going to be tied to one person for the rest of your life so um i think as long as you were to transition away from a coach and you're amicable about it you communicate in a way that's appropriate obviously you're respectful and you have dignity in the way that you go about it that's that's always obviously how you should hold yourself and your, and your values so as long as you're not, you know, coach jumping because like you're the problem and you're trying to find the solution in someone else when really it's like you need to look inwards. But if it's really a means of like, hey, I want to get a different perspective. I want to learn something new or a different approach. Then I, I see no problem in, in doing that. Yeah, perfect. I 100% agree on all, all of those. Uh, I think like personality wise as well, some people get along a lot better with other coaches and that's just how it is. Uh, as long as the coach is doing the right thing, um, you know, like people are going to come and go, like you said, DC, no one's going to stay there forever. So I might, you know, want to swap from bodybuilding to powerlifting. Like, you know, if they come from me and, you know, I took them to their first bodybuilding show and they say, Hey, I want to be a powerlifter. 
probably the chances are I'm going to refer them on. I'm not going to be like, Hey, yeah, I can, I can hundred percent take you to, you know, do your powerlifting comp. It's like, I would rather refer them on and get them a better quality of service. So like, you know, I don't take it personally. If a client leaves me and goes to another coach, high chances are they might get along with them a little bit better. I know the service that I've given like, to a level that I'm happy with and satisfactory, um, hopefully higher than satisfactory. But uh, yeah, like, you know, no, there's no hard feelings about it at all. I don't, but as long as the other coach is good and, you know, doing the right thing by the client and the client's happy, then I'm all for it. Uh, we might even, uh, like us three coaches, we might've even had maybe even Lawrence as a practitioner, but someone might leave you and then come back a few months later, having tried another coach because they, they just wanted to try something different and then they come back because they like your service, which is always nice. I've never done it as a coach myself, like swap to another coach. I've personally enjoyed Joey. We get along really well together. Um, so I've stayed with him, but I like learning the other approaches the other coaches have. So like, you know, how um, Alberto Nunes might do some of his things. And then I like some of the things that, you know, AJ might do. And then I might pick a little bit off Brandon Kempter as well there on how he lays out his preps and how he goes about them. So like I can understand the difference between swapping between coaches because you want to kind of get a little bit, but me as a coach, I've kind of just, I guess, found a lot of their info anyway. Um, so there was that no need for me to then bounce to another coach. What about you, Lawrence? Yeah, mate, I, I can't say I really have anything else to add to that, guys. I think you cover that really well. I guess at this point as a physio, I don't think I have had any instances where I've had a patient go see another practitioner and then come back. I guess being relatively new to the profession, I'm sure that's going to happen down the track sometimes. But yeah, I just think at the end of the day, a lot of the time it might not be a case of doing anything wrong, taking a, a strange approach or maybe not having the requisite skills to manage the person, sometimes you just don't gel with someone. And I think that's both in a healthcare setting where we kind of want to create that therapeutic alliance or in a coaching role, at the end of the day, you need to get along well with the person, your values need to align and you also need to be kind of friends in a way. You know, this is someone who you talk to fairly regularly. So you want to be able to chat to them and get along with them like you would a friend. So I think that sometimes it's not necessarily the case that, oh, so-and-so coach didn't know what they were doing. It's just, you know, well, we're kind of different people. We just didn't really vibe that well to, to use a term that the kids throw around these days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. It would really suck if you were to like, let's say you want to do a bodybuilding journey of like over five to six years, then you pick a coach that you don't gel with. It's just going to make the process so much more harder. Like pick someone that you like and in, like, you know, enjoy the company of and like, you know, obviously does everything right. And I think you're going to have a blast. It's going to make the five years a lot more enjoyable. So I think we might wrap that episode up here unless you boys have anything else to say. Not for me. Oh, that's pretty much it, man. Perfect. So as always, um, go give us a like, a share and a five-star rating if you haven't already. Um, we might have another question box coming up over the next couple of weeks. So if you have any questions that want to be answered, throw them in the box and uh, yeah, might get around to it. Other than that, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week.